As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Last night, Arsenal's Champions League group stage came to a close with a one-all draw in Eindhoven. To talk about the game and look ahead to Brighton on Sunday, I'm Jay Harris, following in the footsteps of David Rea by moving from Brentford to Arsenal on loan, and I'm joined by James McNicholas and Art De Roche. How are you doing, guys? Good morning. Good morning. Very good, thank you. So um, there was a moment in the first half last night but the ball was going out for a PSV corner. But one of their players quite confidently caught it before it left the pitch, which led to an Arsenal free kick. So I, I just wanted to know if you two have ever committed a, a similar blunder on a football pitch. Have you ever had a nightmare at five aside? I'll start with, with you, James, first. I mean, too many to list. <laughs> but the one I was thinking of, <laughs> at the end of last season, Arsenal held a little kind of, I think it was seven aside tournament at the Emirates Stadium for media to play in. So there was like lots of people from Sky there, lots of journalists. I'd say in general, my performance throughout the kind of mini tournament could be filed under this category, but there was one moment in particular between the games where a number of us went over to take penalties at the clock end in the big goal. (laughs) And I stepped up really confidently Charles Watts, excellent journalist, was in goal. And I thought, I'm going to put this top bins, top left corner. And I I don't know what happened, to be honest, but I put the ball, I'd say about 20 yards high and about 20 yards wide. And uh, it was maybe, I'd say it's in the top five worst moments of my life, actually. <laughs> uh, because it was like, you know, at the Emirates, I was like, I'm going to make this look spectacular. And it did look spectacular, to be fair but for all the wrong reasons. That is, that's pretty special. Go on ahead, Art, what's yours? Obviously you will remember, Jay, because you were on the pitch that night, but work five aside, we had, I guess, mixed teams, both men and women, and one of the women on the other team received the ball and I proceeded to just... I, I thought it was a clean tackle. You you can correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but... Um... It was, it was, do you know what it was? Regardless who was on the end of it, it was a firm challenge um, <laughs> in what up until that point had been quite friendly game. 
Yeah. And I think you might have been losing. So, you know, you had that dog in you to be like, right, I'm going to try and get this get this game back. Yeah. And just got a little bit overzealous. You're going to get yourself a reputation, Art. You need to yeah. be... It's incredible. <laughs> Maybe I need to calm down a little bit. <laughs> well, I've got two. One's about me and one is about Art, which when I warned him before we started recording, he was very nervous about. Um, <laughs> the one that springs to mind with me is actually a, a couple of months ago. And again... It was a athletic game. I can't remember who we were playing against, but we were playing against another media company. And um, I was playing centre-back. And I, I don't really like playing centre-back. I prefer to play centre-mid. As you do, tried to bring the ball out from the back very confidently. Lost the ball. The striker should have scored. Puts it wide. And I just did the classic thing of blaming everybody else but myself <laughs> for that mistake. I started shouting at uh, Jordan Campbell, who obviously covers <laughs> Arsenal for the Athletic, basically saying he didn't drop and um, open up to, <laughs> to receive the ball. Um, and then obviously after the game, I admitted it was completely my fault. The one with Art, it's not really a blunder, but there was a game where you didn't turn up with boots. And oh. I think he played in Adidas Gazelles or Adidas Sambas <laughs> and had an amazing game. So, <laughs> but I remember seeing you rock up in these trainers thinking this is going to be a long... Yeah. long hour and you you were incredible at the back so hats off to you oh thanks for that I, I completely forgot about that <laughs> so thank you very much <laughs> anyways this actually um get into the game last night then Arsenal topped the group with a game to spare so obviously yesterday was more about giving fringe players minutes and basically surviving with no injuries there was a lot of talk before the game that we might see some academy players get minutes but actually this was a, a pretty strong lineup considering the circumstances Gabriel and Saliba both started at the back. Havertz was on the pitch. And after the game, Arteta said, I did not think it was the right context when asked about not only why some of the young players didn't start, but why they didn't even get on. So James, I'll come to you first. Did the lineup come as a surprise to you? And then I guess going off what Arteta said, is there ever a right context to give young players minutes? The lineup was pretty much exactly what I expected. You know, I think when you follow Mikel Arteta closely, you know that he tends to go strong in these European games, even when there isn't necessarily a massive incentive to do so. I think it's interesting as well, you know, we arguably ended the game with a stronger lineup than we started it with because a lot of these big players we brought with us came onto the pitch, the likes of Rice and Odegaard, Jesus, all coming off the bench. As for the young players, it's a really tricky one, isn't it? Because I think as fans, we all get excited about the young talent and there is a lot of talent in that group. You know, the likes of Ranieri and Sousa and Walters are really well thought of and, you know, Ethan Ranieri is coming off the back of a, a five-goal game in the FA Youth Cup. So naturally, there's going to be a lot of excitement to see him potentially make an appearance with the first team. But Arteta has kind of pleaded patience and I suppose his thinking will be it will have been a great experience for them to be with that group you know to be part of the training the team meetings the travel all those aspects of it um, but ultimately I think this is a game that he just felt he couldn't afford to lose and, and not in terms of the group but maybe in terms of the momentum of the season having lost at Villa Park uh, I think it was important actually to, to get something in this game and kind of right the ship a little bit ahead of two tough games against Brighton and Liverpool coming up. So I think that would have been what was in Arteta's thoughts, but the fan in me would have absolutely loved to see, you know, what these kids could do on a, on a stage like that. But I, I genuinely think that their time will come. It may come in the domestic cups, maybe more so than Europe, but I think they will get an opportunity down the line. Yeah, I do see the point and the thing with the 
the wording Mikel Arteta uses is really interesting. The right moment. I don't think there is ever a perfect moment to bring anyone on. There's just going to have to be an element of sink or swim <laughs> at some point. So I personally would have liked to have seen maybe Waters for Cedric at some point in the second half or maybe Wanieri. But also when I was watching the game, if I'm being totally honest, especially in that first half, I was thinking myself, you can't really bring these guys on when some of these players can't really keep the ball between themselves. I think it could have been a really tough ask, even though people would have wanted to see see that in whatever capacity it was. I would say time is probably on most of their sides, but also when you're looking at a situation like Walters, for instance, who is in the last year of his contract, I think actions then become, I guess, more important than words in a way. So you do have to find the balance, which is really tricky for anyone um, because there is so much riding on these games. Yeah, I think that's a really good point on Walters. I mean, the the right moment is tricky to define, but if I think about Ranieri, for example, he made headlines when he came on at Brentford last season. You guys will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Arsenal were 3-0 up at that point in the game. So, you know, it's a very different competitive context to come on into that than a Champions League game that's poised at one all against a team who are motivated to win it. Uh, well, maybe by that stage, slightly less motivated. But <laughs> yeah, it's the Walters one, I have to say, is the one that I do have regret over, the one that I think I would have really liked to see him Um there's a few factors in that. One is the contract that Art mentions. The other is the age. He's a, he's a little bit older than the other two, maybe a bit more ready. When I've seen him with the 19s, I think he looks more senior than some of his uh, compatriots, some of his colleagues, uh, rather. And the other thing is obviously the, the injury situation at Arsenal and the fact that we are so short at the back. And ostensibly, he is a versatile defender, can play right back, centre-half, competent on the ball, quite athletic. Um, I did have a slight nagging question with him of like, if you're not going to give him a chance now, when are you? And, and part of me thinks, well, we, maybe you're not. You know, maybe Mikel Arteta is looking at the January transfer window opening and thinking, I need to do something regarding the defence there rather than turning to Walters. And yeah, for him, I think that would be particularly disappointing. Well, we've obviously touched upon Cedric's unexpected cameo, shall we say, but we've also touched on some of the players that did start the game. Gabriel Saliba came through with no injuries. Emil Smith-Rowe was back. I know, Art, you just spoke about how it was quite a difficult game. Was it a risk to bring on some of those players? Did they need regular minutes for rhythm or did just the state of the game require a little bit of extra help off the bench? I probably view it as one, Arteta not wanting to lose. Two, I, I reckon it was probably a bit of, okay, Here's some minutes in your legs before Brighton on the weekend. So I I wasn't too, <laughs> I didn't have as extreme a reaction to those guys coming on because I just felt it was almost, okay, just getting those minutes in uh, and then maybe they take maybe a lighter day today and rev up <laughs> ahead of the weekend. So that's kind of how I viewed those guys coming on. As you say, it was really good to see Smith Rowe get some minutes. I know Arteta said he's he took his rehab like he'd never seen before. So you'd hope that he hits the ground running in these winter games because 
Arsenal are going to need him. And hopefully he can show, I guess, the wider Premier League public why Arsenal fans rate him so highly. I mean, a draw was probably a, a fair result. I think it's fair to say. I know Trossard had a great chance to, to win it at the very end. Um, would you two agree with that? I'll start with you, James. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I think either side could have nicked it, to be honest. Uh, there were chances at both ends. I don't think PSV made the most of theirs. And Trossard could have put that one away. If the, there was, Obviously, there was the Kivior-headed goal that was disallowed. Um, there was one chance for East Nelson where, a bit like Trossard, he cut back onto his left foot and whipped it into the side netting. I think Arsenal did okay in this I was very content with the draw I've got to say like I thought this was a game that was a very strong chance Arsenal could lose not necessarily because I think PSV are an outstanding team we saw a big gap between the sides in the reverse fixture although I think they're better than they showed on that occasion but because they were the team playing with motivation and this is a match that Arsenal didn't need to win and generally when a team you know has that kind of psychological incentive going into a game I think it does give them an edge so I think Mikel Arteta will have been very happy that his team acquitted themselves sort of professionally enough and came away with that draw. And yeah, it, well, it could well have been three points. I think that probably would have been a bit of a steal, but of course I would have taken it. Yeah, in terms of um, the result, I think it was just another one of those, do your job, get on the plane home, or maybe the Eurostar, <laughs> if they took the Eurostar. <laughs> I'm not sure if they if they did, but it was professional. As, as James put it, I thought Reese Nelson and to an extent Eddie Nketiah, but more Reese Nelson showed why they need to be getting more minutes, basically. On the weekend, I think Nketiah came on in the 84th minute, Reese Nelson came on in the 92nd minute. And that isn't really enough for these guys to impact a game. The same, it was pretty much the same story for Nelson last season where people would be waiting for him to come on in the spring spring months. Um, and I just think, again, very um, clean performance technically, which I think should give both himself and Mikel Arteta confidence to use him a bit more when needed. Because if you look at the Brighton game, for instance, okay, it's going to be difficult, but then you've got Liverpool after that, West Ham too. Fulham. So in these more condensed fixture weeks, I think a player like Nelson should be turned to a bit more often. Oh, I'm going to put you on the spot because um, James, Amy and I had a, a conversation about strikers on on Monday. I know you're a big fan of, of Eddie Nketiah, but do you think that Arsenal need a striker in January to take them to that next level? Or do you think Eddie can can do the job? Mm. It's a, it's a question that's been asked for about 18 months now <laughs> and listen I think when you look at it from a competition standpoint I'm fine with him being in there the really tricky question comes when Gabriel Jesus isn't available um, when that's the case I would probably think uh, somebody who's a bit I guess has a bit more of a presence would be more useful and we all know whose name springs to mind <laughs> when <laughs> when you say that um so yeah i think when you look at his performance yesterday for instance he took his goal really well but aside from that and I, i've spoken about the improvements he's made in his general play but you 
do still want a little bit more in terms of being more imposing and just making things happen or being a platform, setting a platform for Arsenal to play from. So um, going into January, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the direction Mikel Arteta chooses to go. But, and it's a big but, I think there also needs to be considerations in terms of where are the other holes in the team, not just in terms of starting eleven, but competition as well. Right, it's time to go beyond the frame with Google Pixel. The Athletics' Jordan Campbell was at Villa Park last weekend, picking out something you might not have noticed while watching on the telly. Beyond the Frame with Google Pixel. Everything you're about to hear has been recorded using Google Pixel's Audio Magic Eraser tool. That means that instead of our journalists' audio being drowned out by the crowd, the audio sounds just the way the journalist you're about to hear wants you to. You'll hear them loud and clear thanks to Audio Magic Eraser removing distracting sounds in Beyond the Frame. Requires Google Photos app. May not work on all images or all audio elements. It was, it was interesting at the ground before the kickoff happened. The Arsenal players all drifted towards the, the away end at the, at the north end where they went to the where fans and sort of, you know, looked to be almost time wasting before the game started. And as soon as they won the toss, they chose to, to make Aston Villa shoot towards the whole end, which is not, not their usual um, direction. So I think that was a ploy um, to get under the skin of the home fans, try and make it unnatural for them. It did rile some of the some of the home supporters, but it didn't do much, um, to be honest, to, to stem the flow of Aston Villa attacks first 20 minutes. But us got to grips with the game. Probably one of the keys was, as well to that was watching Jorginho, um, who was a sub, but one of the older members of the squad. Saw him after half an hour um, instructing uh, Gabriel Martinelli to, to start running in behind, and he was waving, waving for the ball to be switched. And 10 seconds later, Gabriel put, put the Brazilian through in goal. So that became the theme of the match and they kept targeting that. Beyond the Frame with Google Pixel. We're going to have a quick break and we'll be back very shortly. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They get a handbrake off and you can see that they are more free to play. You're listening to Handbrake Off. I'm Jay Harris and I'm joined by James McNicholas and Arda Roche. So just wanted to um, speak about PSV Eindhoven player just for a, a split second. Obviously, it was a great finish from Vitesen, but Johan Bakayoko stood out. I always um, get a little bit upset when Bakayoko's name gets brought up because Brentford tried to sign him on deadline day in the summer. And I could have had six months of uh, <laughs> watching him in West London. But unfortunately, and understandably so, he turned them down to to stay and play in the Champions League. Just wanted to know what what you two thought on on what kind of player he is. Well, listen, I confess, I don't know a lot about him. I hadn't seen him before, but I thought he was really impressive on the night. Really exciting, very physically dynamic, technically good, quite inventive in the way he played. I honestly watched him and thought, and I didn't know about the Brentford Association, and I'll, I'll get you to tell us a bit more about that in a minute, but I honestly watched him and thought, this player's got Premier League written all over him. And yeah, listen, it's a, an area of the squad art talks about, you know, areas of the squad where Arsenal could maybe do with more depth. I do think, as well as Reese Nelson did last night, wide forward is still one of those where I think numbers, variety, quality, depth are, you know, desirable. I'm sure Mikel Arteta and Adu will have taken a few notes last night because I thought he was outstanding. But yeah, tell us, Joe, what what was what happened with Brentford? What sort of fee were they talking about for Bakayoko at that point in time? A lot of money. So it happened in the final week of the summer transfer window and they agreed a deal, which I think off the top of my head was basically 35 million euros up front um, with an extra 5 million euros in add-ons. So a total package of 40 million euros. Now, in the context of Brentford, their club record signing is Nathan Collins for 23 million pounds. So to go from 23 million pounds to 40 million euros for a player is a big, big jump up. It's something I've, I've never seen them do before, but they just thought, here's a player with, with real talent, left-footed, likes to cut inside. He's already been capped by Belgium quite a few times. He's only 20 years old. So massive room for potential. But unfortunately, they were trying to sign him when I think PSV beat Rangers in the um, final qualifying game to get into the group stages. They did, yeah. Um, and I do, I do wonder if if Rangers had progressed, if Bakayoko would now be playing in Brentford. But he hadn't even played in the Champions League this time a year ago, and and those kind of figures were being put around in the summer. So you can only imagine that he's adding to his his value value now. It's probably a Mikhaila Mudrik part yeah. two with um, <laughs> I, I, Brentford, and, Brentford and Arsenal. All I could think about when you were talking through that was this sounds very re- reminiscent of last season. <laughs> and we're going to start seeing him watching um, Arsenal games on his on his phone, aren't we? <laughs> Moving on, I know James, you touched on the um, give your disallowed goal. Just wanted to ask, do we actually know what's happened there? Was Gabriel deemed to be involved or affecting the play what what was the what was the reason behind that yeah that was my that was my understanding that Gabriel was deemed to be 
affecting the play. And I think that's fair enough. I mean, he, he does sort of challenge for the ball and gets caught up with a couple of centre-halves and a goalkeeper. I think if he just kind of recognised that Kibio was going to get there first, probably, you know, and, and stood back, then that goal stands. But yeah, it's uh, an unfortunate one. Kibio had a couple of chances in the game, strangely enough. You know, he had another opportunity. I think maybe it was him after the Trossard shot where he knocked it over the bar. I mean, it, it's interesting, I think, to see Kibio be a threat in those situations. He's obviously got the height and uh, the spring. He, he ought to be. And uh, fingers crossed we see more of that if he's involved in the team moving forward. Just have to say, we should be probably quite thankful that a tight decision like that didn't come in a game where there was a lot more riding, a lot more riding on it. I know, Art, I'll come to you first on this for a reason, but you spoke about the other areas of the squad that may be more of a priority in January than, than up front. In the second half, you know, Declan Rice came on for, for William Saliba and just want to quickly read out what Arteta said. He said, we're very short at the back. I really wanted to try when something happens. How are we going to resolve that situation? And I think it was really good. Rice has played there before and we have to try in case of an emergency. I'll have to make sure that we can fill the gap in the right way. I mean, emergency starts, alarm bells ringing in my <laughs> head. So surely a defender is the real priority in January. Yeah, I... I'm not sure I concur fully. And the reason for that, I know Tommy Asu is injured. I know Timber is injured. But also Thomas Partey is injured. I would have assumed maybe he could fill in, say at right back, for instance, without Ben White having to go off. And then when you look at the makeup of the squad anyway, when you look at the defence, I think it's better built than the midfield. So looking at, say, succession planning, and maybe this is a thought that's more for the summer than January. I feel midfield and actually getting uh, reliable, <laughs> reliable depth for Declan Rice in there uh, would be where I would put my focus. But I could understand where you're coming from with the de with the defence. My only issue would be how do you deal with Timber and Tommy Asu coming back? I know Timber's not back until later on in the season but it's still a thought that would be in my head and I know that question was put to Mikel Arteta a couple of weeks ago in a press conference and he also seemed like he was almost weighing up the pros and cons of that situation because you don't want to bring someone in in January long term and then someone like Timber's place is up for uh, risk when he's back it, uh, in the team so that's where I'm at with that situation. I know <laughs> everyone likes a, a flashy new sign-in, but um, for me, I, I think a lot more long-term thinking is required when when we think about that situation. Yeah, I think it is a really complex one, particularly because of Timber, who obviously they spent a lot of money on and they wouldn't want to obstruct his, his route back to the first team. You know, clearly, I, I don't think, as we discussed earlier on, Arteta sees Walters as the, the solution for this season anyway. I think, obviously, in, in an ideal world, you talk about a loan transfer, but your chances of finding a player of the requisite quality to actually properly augment this squad on loan in January, I think are pretty slim. The other alternative is, of course, a kind of Jorginho-esque deal where you take a player on a relatively 
short-term contract. You know, I think Jorginho was an initial 18 months with an option. You know, some people didn't like that deal because Arsenal paid a decent chunk of change to get him out of Chelsea on a short contract. So on the one hand, that looks like a bit of a sunk cost, but you do have the flexibility then of bringing in a player short term who you don't have to keep around and obstruct other players in the long term. So I think I think that's the kind of scenario we might be looking at in January, especially when you consider the spending mm, restrictions as well. You know, they, they don't have an unlimited pot of money to spend. They already owe 27 million quid to, to Brentford. So yeah, I think they'll be scouring the loan market, but I think that will prove pretty tricky, to be honest with you. Is it a case of just getting in a body at any cost? And when I say any cost, I don't mean <laughs> actually any cost, but is it more important to just have somebody in the building or is it than to risk not getting somebody in and going into the final six months of the season, maybe short? If you look at Arsenal's behaviour under Mikel Arteta, there are a few things that crop up time and again every couple of years. So one of them is the goalkeeper situation. Uh, Leno Ramsdale, now Ramsdale, Raya. Uh, if you look at January, they could have brought in a body in 2022, January. Everyone was talking about striker and midfield and they signed no one. Um, so they, they have previous <laughs> for needing a body, but choosing against that to go for a, a more long-term target in the summer. They went and got Gabriel Jesus um, the summer after that. But as you, as James said earlier, last January, they, they actually acted and got Trossard and Jorginho. So I think hopefully the thinking has moved on a little bit, but the big thing is whether options, good options become available because Jorginho and Trossard have both been good options. Yeah, if I think back to the very start of Mikel Arteta's reign, January 2020, I mean, they got a couple of bodies in in, in that window in, in Pablo Marie and, and Cedric Suarez. And, you know, I, I don't know how successful people would claim that ultimately was. So I don't know. I think Arsenal, regardless of what happens, because it's they're not going to be able to sign someone January 1st. You know, they're going to have an FA Cup game January 7th, I think, against Liverpool. The chances of them having in someone in before that are pretty slim. Typically, business moves along towards the end of January. So I think we can look at that January period and say Arsenal are going to have to ride their luck a bit with injuries. I think I don't think there's any way around that at this point. I, do, I think January fixture-wise is actually a bit better than usual as well. So hopefully that... <laughs> that um, Bodes well. Good stuff. As we're talking about lone players, I think it's only right to mention that Danny Sabayo scored the winner for Real Madrid last night. Didn't see that one coming. He's done. He's done well there. He's done well there. To, you know, he's 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 made a little niche for himself there. Fair play. That niche is a good way of uh, of wording <laughs> it. <laughs> so we're into the the round of sixteen. Who would be your ideal draw? So I'll go through the teams who have already qualified, and then I'll go through the teams who is going to be decided tonight. So you've already got Copenhagen, Napoli, Inter, Leipzig into the next round. And then tonight, it's going to be between Atletico Madrid and Lazio, Borussia Dortmund, PSG or AC Milan, Porto or Shakhtar Donetsk. What excites you both and what terrifies you? <laughs> uh, well, 
To be fair, predictions terrify me all the time, <laughs> no matter what they are. I would just say, hopefully, a good trip because. Oh, you can't take the. I can't I'm, say that. <laughs> I'm banning you from saying that. You've, really? uh, you've got to come down and give us a prediction. Yeah. Oh. Who would you? Who would you? It's it's not a prediction. It's who who would you like? You can't take the political. I just want a good trip. Answer. All right. Well, I guess either Porto or Copenhagen then, but. I, I say that with the, the knowledge that that'll probably come back to bite me. Yeah, I mean, you look at those names, Copenhagen do stand out, but to be fair to them, you know, they've, they've produced some excellent results this season, particularly at home. The Porto-Shakhtar group, you'd say, might be the weakest. So I guess I'll go with, with one of those, really. But listen, it's the Champions League and it's the knockout stages. So... A bit of glamour. I, I wouldn't turn my nose up at it. We've waited a long time to have some of that in Europe. And I think we're good enough, actually, that that none of those names terrify me, genuinely. What what do you think, Jay? Well, I was going to say the one team looking at that that I'm very, con- not very concerned about, but concerned about is Inter because they're absolutely flying in Serie A at the moment. I mean, Lutaro Martinez is having one of the best seasons of, of his career. And obviously they did get to the, the final last season. So I definitely look at them and think avoid at all costs. In terms of ideal draw, I think I'd probably just have to agree with both of you and say Copenhagen, Porto, Shakhtar, the the three teams that, that stand out the most. I'd like the glamour that James talks about in the later rounds. <laughs> yeah, we'll save that for the final. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right, so we've done with the Champions League. Looking ahead to this this weekend's fixtures, I've got a big question for you, Art. Can we finally lift the Brighton at home curse? <laughs> you'd you'd hope so. Um, I remember talking about Brighton last year um, and someone replied to me on Twitter saying, of course Arsenal are going to win. Arsenal have lost to Brighton the last three times they've played each other at the Emirates in all competitions. And I just feel like sometimes you get those teams where it almost seems like fate but saying that, Brighton are com- will be coming off the back of a European week and they've only won one of their games after Europa League match day this season. So obviously their, I guess, depth is much different to Arsenal. So hopefully <laughs> that might come into play. It might be a better time to face them rather than what it usually seems to be end of the season when Arsenal's year is at a pressure point, a real pressure point. Um, That's not the case this time. So hopefully that factor plays in. And then also there's a bit more positive momentum from uh, a few players who got some minutes yesterday. James, how are you feeling about it? I I feel good about it, better than I usually do. I mean, Brighton have been a bit patchy this season. I saw De Zerbi almost been quite critical of his team the other day they've not kept a lot of clean sheets in fact I think I might be right in saying that they've not kept any uh, this season going forward I think we'll be able to get at them they're they're a good side but I think we'll be good enough to beat them and, and I think we sort of have to weirdly you know in this in this title race if we want to call it that I think the standards are so high that as soon as you drop any points there is almost a necessity that you bounce back straight away. I I 
dread the thought, speaking of things that terrify us, of going to Anfield off the back of two games without a win. I think, you know, that could right before that could really ruin my Christmas. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think Arsenal sort of need to win this game. And I think they will. What, what do you think, Joe? Well, firstly, I'll just say that I know every team is really struggling with injuries in the league at the moment. But I mean, they're without Anzu Fati, who just, just come out that he's going to miss three months. They've got Noah Stupinan, um, Danny Welbeck's out. Um, Sonny March is out so it's not Brighton on on all cylinders as we've seen in the past I watched them last week and they they beat Brentford 2-1 and they're a, and I mean this as a compliment they're a strange team because you just I just cannot work out what they're doing <laughs> um, <laughs> you know they've got players playing in so many different positions um, where the press box, I'm sure you guys know this, but for people listening, where the press box is at the Amex Stadium, you are right behind the um, the bench. So you can kind of see everything that's going on. And um, Jack Kinsherwood scored for, for Brighton. And in the first half, Thomas Frank was just going mad at Shandon Baptiste to, to man Mark Hinsherwood. If you put Hinsherwood's position down on a piece of paper, you'd say he was playing right back. But he was absolutely everywhere. He was. I saw him on the left-hand side of the pitch at one stage. He was in centre midfield. He's playing as a right winger. And it's just so difficult to ignore that temptation to follow them all over the place um, and start second-guessing yourself. It must be so tricky as a defence to you know, keep that organisation. Um, but having said that, as you said, James, defensively, because they are so attacking and do push forward so much. They do leave a lot of gaps in behind. You know, there were times where all of their outfit players were in Brentford's half. And I think when you've got the speed of of Martinelli, the creativity of Saka, you will get opportunities. And I think Brentford last week couldn't do that um, because, you know, Mbuma rolled his ankle after 30 minutes. So the second he went off, that threat was completely reduced and, and Brighton had a good time. So I think it will be, it will be difficult, but I think... Arsenal come into this in a, I know off the back of two games without a win, but I do think they come into it in a better place than than Brighton do. All right, thanks very much, guys. I think that's pretty much it for today. So we'll we'll finish up with the the song choices. I was thinking about the young players and getting their chance or not, uh, and I've picked a song by uh, Yusuf Cat Stevens uh, called Father and Son. And if you don't know it, it's a dialogue between a father and a son where a son's basically saying, "I want to go out and do my own thing." And then the dad comes back and like the lyrics are, it's not time to make a change. Just relax. Take it easy. You're still young. That's your fault. There's so much you have to know. And I imagined Mikel Arteta, you know, telling Ethan Ranieri that on, on the bench last night. It's not time to make a change. Just relax. Take it easy. You're still young. That's your fault. There's so much you have to know. I, I've kind of, I'm in between two and I'm thankful that the host may actually know the artists now. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is uh, Kids by Mac Miller, which obviously doesn't mean kids, it's an acronym for something else, which I'm not sure I'm allowed to say on here. Yeah, please don't. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the other one is a bit more recent. It's Paranoid by Ken Carson, which is very new and I just think they're with with most fan bases but it feels like particularly with Arsenal whenever there's um, 
young players near the first team. There's almost a paranoia of when, when will they get their chance? So that was in my mind as well. So I'll have two today, if that's okay with you, Jay. I'm paranoid, I'll take your life. Yeah, I'm for you, say, man. Yeah, I'm paranoid. Yeah, I'm paranoid. I got white, that means they ain't going to ill it noise. I like free, same with your boys. I do free throws, I've been battling with no court. I'll let you off. I'm just a guest host. Um, <laughs> I won't enforce the rules too hard and fast. Um, but beautiful choices from you both. So thank Supply you very much. Supply teachers here, so yeah. kids are acting up. You know what whoa, I mean? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, I'll see what he can get away with. Yeah. He's testing the boundaries. I'm offended by that. <laughs> okay, that's it for today. Thanks to Art, thanks to James, and thanks to JR Producer. I've been Jay Harris. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. 